in brightest day, in blackest night. No evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might beware my power. Green Lantern's life. Pretty cool, huh? Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 196. Edging ever so closer to the 200 mark. Uh, this episode, we're talking uh, Green Lantern New Guardians number 34, Red Lantern's annual number one, and Red Lantern's number 34. Huzzah. <laughs> Good stuff overall. Good stuff overall. Um, uh, we open uh, basically where we left off in the, uh, the ship of the Scions. One of the Guardians, uh, uh, what was his name? Not the one that's dismembered, right? No, that that's the one I'm talking about. Quaros, right? Quaros, there we go. Yeah, God dang it. Um, Quaros uh, telepathically contacts the other Guardians who are being held uh, in the Scion ship, saying that, don't speak aloud, we're going to speak telepathically. Um, uh, I'm going to put an end to all of this, but I can't do it all alone. You know, the, I know your abilities are, are, are limited, but, you know, there, there are some things we can do. Um he says that they're the, the leader of the science is otherwise occupied, which is Kyle. Uh, Kyle and Carol going up against him. Um, Kyle is using a gorilla white lantern construct, and Carol is using a, a kaiju star, star sapphire uh, construct. Um, Predator-esque. Predator-esque. Um, the scion just absorbs the constructs, so uh, Kyle sends off uh, Carol... To find the guardians so that they can, you know, kind of help out, you know, thinking about the problem, I guess. Cut back to the guardians, to Zala, and she uh, escapes her bonds and blasts one of the. Uh, is that a. That's a scion, right? It just looks like a box computer. No, it's a scion. It's got the legs. Yeah, it is a scion. scion. Okay. Um, so she, she blasts one of the scions away and escapes her little pod. She noticed that the uh, other guardians are freeing themselves as well. Palco starts talking about he was how he was you know obtaining a sample and they're like not now, dude, shut up. <laughs> uh, Carol hears uh, Quaros in her head, you know, stop, you're in danger. She gets blasted. She says, "I'm busy. I, we we need to, we, I need to get to the other guardians." And he says, "Well, they're already free." And she says, "Well, can they help me?" And he's, "Well, no." Uh, but I've disabled the archive defenses, and she's like, "Oh, I know what that means." So she basically sets free all their all the scions' experiments slash abominations slash creations, uh, and uh, the uh, the the scions notice this and say, "Organic archive breach." She's like, "Damn right, breached!" Uh, and that's when they start going up and start taking out various scions. Kyle is still fighting the the, the lead scion. And basically, the the scion was talking about how you have the power and you seek perve- perfection. Uh, you have within you the power to reshape the universe and the drive to do so. And Kyle's like, I don't, I don't need the, I actually need the. We are not so different speech. I've heard it before, and I don't think you're going to be the one to make a convert out of me. Um, so Kyle uh, kind of listens to him for a second, stops fighting, and the scion scion notices and says, "You have ceased fighting. You can't have given up." 
And he, Kyle's like, nope. Just thought I'd let somebody else have a piece of you. And that's when the Guardians show up and start beating the hell out of the Scions. And they ask Kyle, you know, where's our where's our brother Lantern? Where's where's Quaros? And he's like, well, you're not going to like what you see, basically. And they turn around and they see Quaros is all strung up and eye sockets and I don't want to say gouged out, but I mean that that, that looks like it have to be gouged out. They got tubes going in places you don't want to think about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> tubes going into his eyes, his mouth, his hands are dislocated, uh, are disconnected from his arms. Uh, it's it's pretty bad. Na- naturally, this kind of affects his brothers and sisters, and they you know aren't very happy about things. And uh, he's just saying, you know, there's there's no way around this. Uh, I, I can't escape with you. Uh, I'm gonna destroy the ship, destroy myself, destroy everybody here. And Kyle's like, "There's another way. There's always another way." Um, these people have suffered enough, and he's like, "No, trust me. What the Scions did to them—they broke them. Us. Their minds are shattered. They, all they know is suffering. And this will be better." Um, the uh, Leade Scion, I don't know, uh, recovers and uh, attacks them head on again. Quaros is still trying to send everybody away. And then wraps them all in a construct bubble, uh, which Kyle says, this bubble, it isn't me, it's Quaros. Uh, and sends them all away, Guardians, Carol, and Kyle, all away from the ship, uh, hurtling, uh, hurtling away. Look, <laughs> a plethora of planets again. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he, he says, um, si- uh, just reading the last, the last thing here, Scions, I know that you can hear me, and I know that you are afraid. You should be. I can see all that you have done, and I know you cannot be permitted to exist. We did this. Perhaps we should be punished, but I cannot do that to what remains of my people. So I hope that the good they do outweighs the evil that we have done. And for us on this ship, I am sorry. Uh, And boom goes uh, the entire ship, uh, everything on it. Uh, Zala and their fellow guardians weep. Kyle and Carol are affected by this. Kyle's talking about how uh, their despair is like a distant echo. It's deafening. Uh, referring to the Guardians and the sense of loss they feel at their their brother uh, dying. And uh, they fly away in the mother box. I didn't really mention it during the recap, but the Scion had a mother box. The lead Scion had a mother box with him, and it was kind of pinging intermittently throughout this. Didn't didn't really draw attention to it in terms of Kyle, like noticing it or anything, but he kept, it kept being a point of artistic focus whenever the Scion was referencing technology and one of his various rants. Uh, this mother box is left floating in the rubble and it's still pinging. It says next five years later, universal harmony is achieved, but for a price futures end. Dun, dun, dun. What'd you think? It was okay. <laughs> Didn't do that much for me. I, it was, but I don't think the science, the, the the arc did all that much for me. It was good to see because I, since I mentioned it was something that bothered me about this, uh, where they seemingly were going with the Guardians. It was good to see that the Guardians were not quite as impotent as they looked like in the previous issues mm-hmm. in the storyline. That they did have some tricks. That they weren't just helpless. So that was a plus. Um, maybe Carol was slightly less annoying in this issue, um, even though there's still still some banter between her and Kyle. Which every time I hear it, it just I don't know, it just bugs me. Um, let's see. 
Uh, yeah, I like what Quaros was able to do, even though you know he's kind of his, his brain separated from his body pretty much, and all this just the things that he was able to do more or less when he was able to interface with the ship. And I did enjoy that. I thought that was kind of clever. I'm glad you mentioned went back and mentioned that the about the mother box, since yes, they show it several times during the the issue before the last page. And I don't know, Kyle, the way they're drawing Kyle starting to bug me though. How so? I think he's a, he just looks really, really skinny, especially his face. And I think it's compounded by the fact that we know the mask is so giant, so incredibly oversized. And yes, it's not like this is the first time we've seen the White Lantern mask be oversized, but it just seems more and more when I see the close-up of him with, with it on. It just makes him look super, super young. It makes him look super, super thin and skinny. And that mask just looks so ginormous that... Well, otherwise, I like the art in the book. I just, it's just something about the way Kyle's being drawn. It's kind of bugging me a little. But it wasn't bad. It was not the best issue I think we've read of New Guardians. But it's no, not not by a long shot. But I did, I did like the fact that this is what three issues total. Yes. Another three three issue storyline. Awesome. I appreciate that. <laughs> this is the one book that has been really consistent. Yeah. With that. From the from the from the get go of the of the new creative teams, they've been they've been very very consistent in having short story arcs, um, including every even with the stuff with Relic. When you think about it, because even though all the prologue to Relic was in New Guardian, still I mean, still wasn't more than a but uh, but four issues total, including the the actual straight up tie in with New with uh, in with Lights Out. So it 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 was good. It, you know, futures end. Most of the futures end issues, I find somewhat intriguing based on how they're going to approach it. Cut the issue. I am interested in the New Guardians one. That's one of the ones that grabbed me more than some of the others. So we'll see. And then of course, then we have Godhead coming up, and that's going to be pretty big. Not just literally as far as the number of issues involved, but in seeing where Green Lantern stands. I think after that. Um, I really, I don't really don't have much to discuss here, but I do, as far as the whole issue is concerned, but I'm kind of noticing Kyle only using a couple of colors. I mean, which is, which is funny. I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause I, when we, when you were first talking about when talking about it and I also, when I, when I flipped through this, um, the other night, it is, he always tends to use a few colors. There are very few. I mean, we like how oft, how often have we seen him use orange? Not much. And uh, an indigo really wasn't an issue for him, other than his little teleporting thing, which you know, which really didn't wasn't a big factor until again lights out. I find it interesting, and not to cut you off where you were going, that for a guy who seemingly had a hard time mastering red, he seems to he seems to go go to red fairly quickly and fairly often. That seems to be one of his go-to colors, other than green. He seems to go green, white, and red seem to be the colors that he uses. I think more than anything, right. which is normal based on human nature. I mean, I think it's it's that's a part of that's what rage is. That's what that it's something that you don't have that much control over. It comes over you. You give it into it. So it's really easy to feel, real easy to lash out. So it it makes sense. But they kind of made it when he was learning, quote unquote, the emotional spectrum to be. Um, Atrostas had to push him pretty far for him to feel rage. But then again, he had, he had to be pushed pretty far to feel love. I mean, to register full love, and you would think that wouldn't be that difficult for Kyle either. 
that was part of where I was going with it. It was. It's also that every time he uses these powers, it's uh, more physical, like in the constructs he creates, or like for instance in the case of Indigo, in the way in which he uses them as far as teleporting. What about him using these, uh, his mastery over these emotions in as far as the emotional aspect of it itself? You know, like, I don't know, causing the scions to feel compassion. I mean, I have no idea. I'm just saying, like, what about him using the, the, the emotional spectrum in ways other than physical? No, I agree with you, because, and it's a good point, especially because when we get to the Red Lantern Annual, we kind of, in a way, see that. We kind of see how light is used not necessarily even by lanterns to kind of that you know the the emotional spectrum is kind of used in a way based on you know the different to to achieve a certain effect so you would think kyle as a as a master of quote-unquote master of the emotional spectrum you think he would be able to try things like that more than we know we did see him use what compassion during the gods but the god killer storyline right in the beginning not in like the first issue I think so. I think he did. Yeah, I think I'm. I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah, that he did. Uh, when on not on the God Killers themselves, but on the people, uh, on the people of the planet they were on. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think. I think it was like the first. The first issue before what's her face showed up, up at the end. Yeah. Um, hey, there is one panel I actually kind of. I kind of just to balance the equation since I like to be fair. Is that that panel where Kyle says nope? I think he's kind of drawn facially. I think he looks kind of pretty decent there the close-up of him but i agree i think they should they really i think they really unless the question is whether they actually have an idea or a blueprint of what kyle can do or whether they're kind of just winging this or they're or they're figure oh it's got like kick the can down the road eventually we'll figure out we'll figure out what his power set is what he can do what he can't do but you would think at this point that Kyle would be able to do a little bit more or at least just other than just the fact that, oh, he can make different color constructs and tap into their little unique abilities once in a while that you would think just like you would think he would have to feel pretty much. You would think he would have to feel most of the, if not all of the emotions of the spectrum fairly regularly to stay white. You would think if you just felt like greed one time and then you just kind of like didn't feel it again. I don't know. I guess technically you would have mastered that emotion, but you really don't have a, a real working knowledge of it. Uh, but it was it was pretty good. Yeah, not not too bad. Uh, not a lot of depth though in there. Is there anything no. else you wanted to say before we moved on? Uh, what? Now I know I've stated before that I think this book is kind of like becoming a little stagnant, maybe compared to the way it started off. Do you have? have do you still think it's really really good, or do you think it's kind of maybe come down a notch? Well, not sure yet. Well, I mean, maybe come down a notch, but I don't think I don't think it's like you know down to Green Lantern or Green Lantern Corps. <laughs> I didn't mean that, but I didn't. do you think? Well, let's put it this way. Even though I could ask you this very easily once we do the next two issues, but um, do you do you think it's better than Red Lantern right now? I think they're kind of on par together. Maybe Red Lanterns being like slightly better. I think that's and what about with Sinestro? You think it's still better than Sinestro? Uh, I think I think Sinestro is better than Red Lanterns and New Guardians. I think as I, I think as far as the five Lantern titles, Sinestro is number one, Red Lanterns is number two, and uh, New Guardians is number three. But 
you know, two and three can easily be interchanged with one great issue in either one of them. That makes sense. I think, for the most part, I think Red, I think Red and Sinestro are kind of going. I think they're kind of going toe to toe right now with New Guardians being third. Um, as we'll talk about as we get to the end of the episode. Uh, the odds of Sinestro being the number one book in the near future probably has increased dramatically. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately so. but So, uh, Red Lantern's annual number one? Red Lantern's annual number one, featuring the big cover of Atrocis against Guy Gardner, and Earth is their battleground. Otherwise known as Atrocities Part 3 of 3. I mean, 3 of 4, excuse me. <laughs> So we begin in Sector 2814, and we begin near Earth. What do you know? It, it finally happens, even though it is in a – technically, it's the only sector other than the only book that really should be taking place right now, I guess, on 2814, that we have a conversation between – basically, for the most part, it's between Atrocitus and Skalix, even though you see Atrocitus' group of Red Lanterns and all the – and they're not a pretty group. Let's put it that way. That he basically is talking about Earth, and he's trying. He pumps uh, Skalix for information. Atrocitus kind of makes a cute little comment about how you know Earth is basically it's a, a small pretty place. The only problem I see with it is that it's not angry enough. So he pumps he pumps Skalix for information about Earth and about Guy Gardner's home. If he knows where Guy Gardner is, is you know where his home is. Skalix pretty much spills the beans. He tells him Baltimore is his home. He points. He mentions all, all the places that Guy kind of pointed out when he gave uh, Zox and and Skalix pretty much the uh, like a map, like a tourist destination map of sites to see on the Earth, including the Eiffel Tower and the Grand Canyon. He mentions all this to Atrocitus. So Atrocitus pretty much sends his Red Lanterns down to visit all these places because his goal is to just make humans a hell of a lot angrier than they are, which kind of says a lot because I think as a species, we probably are pretty angry. A uh, cute little comment with him and Dexter. Atrocitus telling him that, you know, this is your mission. Don't take, you know, if you stop and mate, I'm going to know about this. <laughs> it's like, oh, all right, fine. So then we see we we see signs. Or excuse me. We see scenes of the Red Lanterns attacking Baltimore. The Red Lanterns taking down the Eiffel Tower, attacking the Grand Canyon. Then Egypt, Nevada, China, Spain. All these all these cities and all these uh, major sites and that have relevance, including the Sphinx. They're all. I mean, the the pyramids are being destroyed. Atrocitus says, you know, this should be a good beginning, and now the end. Atrocitus makes a construct of his of himself. He shows up speaking to the humans of Earth. He points out, or he he mentions all the tra- you know all these tragedies you have felt today, the loss of life, you know, all everything that all these things that were important to you, you, you know, they're they're gone, but you remain. Are you not angry? Do you not feel great rage in your heart? Would you not seek out revenge if you had the op- you know if you had the means? And he basically says, well, I plan on, you know, I plan on giving you the means. If you want it, you can have the means for revenge. All you need to do is reach out and take it. And I believe it's Klarn, who is spitting out ring after ring after ring, Red Lantern rings onto the earth, which we saw, which basically should be the Red Lantern rings we saw at the end of the last issue of Red Lanterns that were shooting out of the New Blood Lake. So we, we see a cross-section of 
the Red Rings finding new hosts on Earth. Uh, Skalix kind of asks, you know, what do we do now? He's like, now we just wait. You know, we wait. For, he'll be, Gardner will be along soon, and we'll have plenty to, but we'll have plenty to keep us entertained. Um, there's the Calvar, their flagship shows up. Guy, Zox, Bleez, and the Judge. They kind of realize they kind of realize what's going on about you know what a you know what a trust this is doing to down on Earth. Guy kind of organizes or ra- ra- tries to rally the team. You know, he tells Bleez, "We, you know, we can stop this. We can save the Earth, but you better. Fo- but I need you to follow my orders to the letter." Bleez kind of Bleez adds, and she's kind of being somewhat, I think, sarcastic, not dead serious, because we everybody. Ca- it's kind of been pretty clear that Guy really has been the leader. He goes orders. I thought we didn't have a leader. And Zox <laughs> points out, "Come on, Bleez, wake up! He's been leading us since Ratchet died." God, everybody loves Ratchet. <laughs> they should all be wearing, like, Ratchet T-shirts. So a guy says, you know, call me what you want. I don't care. Here's the thing. You know, the Red Ring's supposed to be all about revenge, and I never really got that before, but but I do now. Atro- uh, we cut back to Atrocis talking to Skalix. Skalix mentions that, you know, he has someone in particular who he would like to have uh, get a Red Ring and like to take her to the new Blood Lake on, on Stige Prime. You know, she could be a great asset asset to us and Skalix is asked straight up by Atrostis, do you care for this one? And he says, yeah, I do. I mean, I didn't at first, but I respect, I just respected her strength. But over time I came to Atrostis makes an interesting observation, like more or less, is this real or is this some kind of half ass effort to try to betray me? Skalix kind of like stammers and not really sure. You know, he says, no, no, no. And it's like, calm yourself. Atrostis says, you know, I don't really, I really don't care. Do what you want. You know, it's not going to have any effect on me either way. We go back, we cut to the ship where the brig, where we see Rancor, who's still insane. Bleez is trying, you know, tries to rash, you know, talk to him. You know, she, she basically says, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try to do what guy asked of me. I could not save you Rancor, but you know, I tried, you know, but perhaps I can save your planet. We cut to Gotham, where we see Batman fighting some of the newly f- uh, created Red Lanterns. Guy Gardner shows up to help him. They have a pretty typical Batman exchange with anyone, let alone Guy. Batman kind of blames Guy for this. Is this all you're doing? I should have known. Guy says, no, I didn't do this. It might be my fault, but I didn't do it. Um I'm not here to fight you. I don't have the time. Then we have a cute little reference that I'm sure I'm sure Chad appreciated and a lot of people appreciated. It's like, you know, if we did deal with this, Batman points out, it wouldn't take long, Gardner. About one punch, I'd say. Not in this universe, pal. Yeah, that was that was a nice touch. Not in this universe. Maybe maybe one of the few things in the new 52 that might be better. I don't know. Uh, Guy kind of tells Batman that you know he's, you know. You know, he kind of thought that Batman might have a plan for this or something like this since Batman has a plan for anything. Uh, you know, guy just says, you know, whatever. It doesn't really matter. The point is I've got this. And he flies off, to, flies off, leaving Batman. And Batman points out, who are you trying to convince, Gardner? In Jerusalem, we see uh, the Shadow Thief, who Skalix and crew encountered during their first trip to Earth and she is the one that Skalix wanted to be- make a Red Lantern and at this point she is a Red Lantern he cares he, he cares about her even though he decks her <laughs> he knocks her out cold because he wants to take her back to the Blood Lake 
you know, in New York City, there's, you know, Red Lantern's attacking a bus. All of a sudden, Supergirl shows up, who's no longer red. And then, well, she's got, got the Red Lantern in her in her hand. Guy Gardner tells her to drop, like, drop him. And it's like, no, I, I mean it, Supergirl, drop him. I mean, the, <laughs> the ring will protect him, but it'll knock him out. He goes, are you are you sure? It's like, yeah, just trust me. Let, just, do you trust me? Just let go. And she does trust him. So she drops the Red Lantern. We assume he gets knocked out, though we don't really see it. Uh, she starts asking Guy, you know, what was in the sky? It's like Guy points out before any of the, you know, before we even get into anything, it's like, you know, it's really good to see you. I'm glad. I mean, you got that ring off. How the hell did you manage that? And she just basically says, I let go. I think you should think about trying it. And he says, well, maybe someday, but we got, you know, bigger fish to fry right now. We got to shut atrocities down. You know, I don't, I hate like hell to ask you for help or put you in danger. And she kind of like cuts Guy off too and goes, I know, just shut up, kid. Tell me what you need. Taking Guy's own typical statement towards her and turning them around. Uh, above Stige Prime, uh, Zox is using his the Calvar to target and to lock in on the, on the new on the new Blood Lake. Kind of pointing out that oh, you poison our Blood Lake. Well, uh, maybe I'll just blow up yours. <laughs> there were th- as the Calvar opens up fire and starts destroying the Blood Lake and the Citadel or the church that Atrocitus created. There are three re- three Red Lanterns inside, and uh, Barg is one of them. Who I think he he was the one I believe was the owner or the the, the captain of the Calvar at one point. I think that's yeah. the one. Yep. So he's so he points out as like we can handle this. A three pronged. Attack was what he wanted to say, but of course, before he can finish that, one of them gets vaporized. It's like, uh, two pronged. <laughs> it's like, we can't do this, Barg. It's like, of course we can do this. You know, that bastard stole, Gardner stole my ship, but I want it back. It's like, but how against that? I mean, it's a fortress. There's only two of us. It goes, well, Sarp, my dear, that's where you're wrong. They brought Rancor. So then we find out that. Well, I don't know if I, well, I'm just trying to see if I can cut to the. No, let's not cut to the chase yet. Well, Rank, Rancor is kind of who has been pretty much nuts since we've since Guy and company rescued him. Now we find out that he's really not nuts, or he doesn't appear to be nuts because because he starts acting rational because he's communicating with the other Red Lanterns, Barg. You know, the two Bargain is and what was. Sarp, Bargain Sarp, which are the two Red Lanterns that are left in the Red Lantern Church. They're communicating with Rancor, apparently. He goes, I'll send you the override code to the ship, since it was his. And it's like, and Rancor goes, good, I'll deactivate the ship's weapon systems, then you can come up here and take her back. Uh, Bar goes, yeah, you're damn right, don't kill everyone before I get there. Rancor goes, no promises. On Earth, dealing with the, the Kamaraki, the Kormoraki, excuse me, which were the race that uh, the Red Lanterns helped rescue, the people they helped rescue back in twenty issues twenty five and twenty six. Blees basically is using them to return. You know, this is how they're paying back their debt. How they, you owe us, so let's let's do it. So what they do is they focus blue energy down onto Earth, and that blue energy, like blue energy does, basically ca- starts counteracting the rage inside the Red Lanterns. They all start relaxing. They all start calming down. You know, while Blees is while Blees is talking, you know, on the ship to uh, about. I didn't think you can. Kamaraki had this technology. All of a sudden, their ship becomes under attack by Atrocitus and his Red Lanterns. 
Now back on above Stige, Stige Prime, the Calvar, you know, weapon system, self-destruct protocols initiated. Zox doesn't know what's going on. Then he sees Rancor as he's trying to figure out, you know, he's basically talking to him, himself. Zox is like, how is this happening? Rancor goes, it's really not all that complicated. Rancor, you're back. Not exactly. Zox, you know, he's, he's kind of like, he blame or accuses Rancor basically of being a being a traitor. It's like you were you were pretending you were nuts all this time. You know, he charges at Rancor. Rancor basically creates an energy construct spear, looks like, pretty much, and puts it right through the right eye of Zox. You know, Zox is is fatally wounded, he collapses. It's at that it's at that moment we see Atrostis who's who's now still there the ship is being attacked uh, where Bleeze was. He's got Bleeze captured. You know, he's he is interrogating Bleeze. You know, was that supposed to be your master plan? It's like pacify Gardner's planet. It's like you're pathetic. Guy Gardner has made you all weak. And the Trostis throws out, which is an interesting point, which is accurate. It's like the Bleeze I knew would have laughed at the idea of a you know of a thousand new Reds rampaging across a planet. Would have celebrated the spread of the you know the blood gospel. And she points out that Bleeze is dead. You know, and I do not mourn her death. And I won't mourn yours either. Atrocitus just, you know, he kind of like, he appreciates, you know, such spirit for someone who are short, whose skin will shortly be decorating my red cathedral. And Dexter is just kind of sitting there being a loyal kitty like he is until Dexter gets blasted. Guy shows up with Supergirl, bleezes free, and they're about ready to throw down. And all of a sudden, just like that, uh, Atrocitus disappears. Now Supergirl, Bleez, and Guy go to save go to save their ship or the, you know, the, uh, whatchamacallit ship. I, I, I wish I could get this stupid, the, the, uh, Komoraki ship. Now we cut back to the Calvar where, where Rancor is, is talking to the, to Barg. And all of a sudden things don't quite work there where they were planning because we find out that the big, re- the pseudo big reveal is that it, Rancor really isn't was never insane, nor is he doing any of the things that we're seeing him do now. Basically, almost a a parallax-like parasite, not by size, but based on effects, was inside of him, controlling him. First, making him act pretty much mindless, then just being under control, or being pretty much powerless to stop this parasite. But the anger of seeing Zox hurt was able to get Rancor to kick basically to kick back into being himself enough to pull the parasite out. He rips it apart. You know, the ring flies off. So it's looking for another host. Rancor points out, ah, I don't think so. I think you'll come in handy. And he takes a second red ring. He runs over to Zox. Like, I'm so sorry. You know, I, I couldn't really do anything until about what was going on till, till, you know, what he did to you that it got me so angry. And he goes, that's how it works, pal. I understand. Like, can I help you? Let me get you to the, you know, the sick bay. Pretty much, it's like, nah, I'm finished. But uh, this, you know, pretty much, there's something. You just get out of here. There's one more thing that I can do. Please, you know, she kills another one of the Atrocitus's red lanterns. That ring flies off. She kind of points out, hey, Kara, we got a red ring. Do you want to? Do you want one back? And she, she, Kara's like, eh, I don't think so. But nah, I don't know. I'm not sure if it would fit anymore. So she adds, Blease adds another red ring, which seems to be a common uh, thread, which carries over into the next issue too. She puts on a second, a second red ring. Um, they they succeeded in saving the ship as the other red lanterns of Atrocitus escape back on Stige Prime. 
that uh, Sox pretty much goes on a suicide mission against the New Blood Lake and the the Atrocitus Red Cathedral. He helps take out Barg and his companion there. Right before he dies, though, there's a cute moment because he finally figures out basically the uh, most likely definition of what a testicle is, since Guy referred to him as that several times. <laughs> and, he, and he just kind of laughs at that. I kind of th- I thought that was a good moment. <laughs> it's like, eh, Gardner. So he crashes. So the Calvar crashes in and destroys the Red Cathedral. Belize and Belize and Guy start using their knowledge, or more like Belize's knowledge of the blood magic, to try to uh, basically try to call. You know, she I'll call up as many of the new Red Lanterns as I can. She tries to basically they're trying to pull some of, some of Atrocitus' numbers to them. So Belize is uh, excuse me, Atrocitus is able to sense what Belize is doing. So they're both kind of fighting basically using blood magic to fight each other to try to pull reds to them. Guy goes to Blaze, how'd we do? And goes, ah, we, uh, that's it? And it's like a handful of new red lanterns around them. <laughs> Guy goes, where are the rest of them? And then we cut to the big splash page where you see where you see Atrocitus basically with like thousands, seemingly thousands of, of the new Earth red lanterns behind him. And that, it goes, to be concluded in Red Lanterns 34. Yes, that was long, but I didn't want to miss anything of relevance in that issue. Uh, my favorite part was the testicle part. <laughs> Gotta love the nuts. Uh, uh, Socks was pretty. Co- Socks was cool though. I was kind of I was kind of sad to see that happen. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of comedic humor goes out the door with him. <laughs> yes. Um. What did you think of the overall plan that Atrocitus had? Mm, I, get, I, I mean, I'd like to think he could have come up with a, a better plan. But there's a certain logic to it. He's try, It's not just that he's trying to get more and more Red Lanterns. It's the fact that he's obviously trying to take shots and hurt Guy in the process. So what's going to hurt Guy more than basically turning a whole bunch of his people red and then making Guy have to deal with these people and just, without trying, you know, without trying to hurt them? But yeah, needing to stop them. I, I don't know. I thought it could, I thought it could have been better. But it, I thought the issue could have been better too. I was a, I was a, a little, a little disappointed in the annual, at least when I first read why? it. I think it's hard to put my finger on why. I don't know. I just thought maybe because I thought there was going to be more interaction, maybe between Guy and Atrocitus in this issue, or even more just straight up conflict between the two, the two different Lantern factions. There were some cool scenes like the. Like that splash page of Clarn spitting out all those red rings. Yeah. That was kind of The cool. Batman thing was cool, too. The only problem I have with it is my whole reaction to the New 52 in general. I yes. guarantee you that there's n- there's not going to be any mention of the Red Lanterns attacking Earth and taking a giant portion of the populace along with them and tearing down multiple Earth landmarks. Yes. Now... <laughs> That's just me being cynical. So if you are out there listening to us and you're reading other uh, DC titles and it ends up being mentioned in one of them, please, like, I don't know, scan the image or screenshot it or something and send it. Chad wants proof. Yeah, I want proof. (laughs) I want proof that DC isn't being stupid. Uh, So, uh, yeah, email it to us, uh, lanterncast at gmail.com. But I, I'm honestly thinking that this is going to be referenced nowhere else except maybe Supergirl. And that's it. <laughs> and, and who knows? Maybe maybe Batman will never have met a Red Lantern guy. Yeah. 
Never happened. Um, what did you think of the Rancor reveal? That was cool. I mean, I'm glad. I, I wonder, though, what it means in terms of does this mean you can't be reverted to mindless after you've uh, been clear-headed? Well, he, because part of part of it is making making them part of the reason he did that right. is making them afraid that Atrocitus has the power to turn them back. Right, that's true. It was it was a head. Right. So does the, does this mean he doesn't have that ability? Well, to me, the real interesting thing about that would be, you would think as long as as long as you have the red ring on, on and you're not mindless now, I would say you probably you probably couldn't be reverted, even though, of course, with the blood magic, maybe there's, you know, like almost like an antidote aspect. If, if they bathed you in like a, almost like the anti-blood, anti-blood magic lake. To me, the question would be if you lost your red ring, let's say you let's say you're like Kara, that you had a red you had a red ring. You cured or basically cured yourself in her case, for the most part, of being a red lantern. And then you end up being a red lantern again and. You, would you automatically pick up being mindless again, or would you not be mindless again? That would be the only, that would be a to me that would be a way you might be able to be mindless again if you lose maybe if you lose the red ring and you get you essentially get healed, and then the whole process starts over again. Maybe then you'd be mindless. But I would like I probably would suspect you wouldn't be otherwise. Right. Yeah, I guess it's kind of up in the air. But uh, with no, that happens in the next issue. So I'll wait to say that one. Um, let's see. What did you What did you think about uh, Skalix falling for Shadow Thief? Did you get that impression at all when they f- first met? I would have to go back and look. I think they may have dropped some, not hints necessarily that he was gonna, you know, that he was gonna have this big like passion for her all of a sudden. But I think they did. They may have been paving the way because I think there were something or some things mentioned in that issue that he was really taken or impressed by her or what she brought to the table. It did kind of seem to me a little out of left field. And I also did wonder, especially at once you read – you put the annual in the context of, of issue 34. At first, I – after I read them both together, and then I thought, well, it kind of made you think maybe potentially that that was part – you know, that was a ruse, you know? That maybe that wasn't really. That's true. But even though, as the issue plays out, that becomes it does become clear that he obviously does care about her. But it, to me, I don't know if they really, I don't know how believable it necessarily is. But they may have started putting some of the breadcrumbs down that you could probably find that follow the path to that. Right. Well, speaking of thirty-four, do you want to get over to that, or do you have anything else to say about this issue? No, I say let's let's do thirty-four. All righty. Green Lantern 34, excuse me, Red Lanterns 34. Not again! <laughs> and with Green Lantern, yeah, we don't want to, we do not want to revisit it. <laughs> Even though it was a better issue of Green Lantern than, than usual. But, my passion would drop a lot if we were going back to that one. <laughs> Red Lanterns 34, only one will survive. Even though it is, does some, have something in common with Green Lantern 34, which is the 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 big cover explanation, the big cover blurb really doesn't turn out to be what happens in the issue. <laughs> Though you could take it a few different ways, but it's still not accurate. No matter how you slice it. A comic it. cover having nothing to do with what's going on on the inside. Shocker! <laughs> They've been just exceedingly going above and beyond on that level lately. <laughs> so we pick up where this takes place, of course, afterward. Lanterns. Annual number one. We're on Earth. 
Blee's Supergirl and Guy are fighting a whole crap load of Earth, of <laughs> Earth Red Lanterns. A uh, guy goes to, you know, Kara, can you buy us a little time? You know, we can outrun them if we can just just get past them. He goes, oh, what? You, you, you're staying here, you know, Atrocitus. We, you know, after what he did, Atrocitus, you know, you can help these new Reds. You understand what's going, what they're going through, but, you know, we'll be fine. More of this, this is our fight. Uh, Blee's, actually, Rancor is there too, right? Yeah. I just can't. No, no, Rancor is not there yet. Um, only because I see, I because I see, only because the lights th- the lights threw me off because I you see the you see the lantern yeah, flying off. Yeah, red, okay. Oh, yeah, it's it's the yeah. judge. That's who it is. It's the judge. That's the only reason that made me stop for a second because you see three like you see the paths of the of the red lanterns fly off. And you didn't know who the third was. So the judge Blees and Guy Gardner fly off. Uh, Dexter is going chase them atrocities. <laughs> no, no, Dexter, I know where they're going. Now back on stage Prime, um, Scalix basically finds you know the destroyed Blood Lake and Cathedral. He's kind of upset. He's there with the Shadow Thief, who's mindless. He goes, "I'm sorry, my love. You know, it's all fallen to ash, but but I'll find a way. There must be another way." That's when Rancor shows up and Scalix, like Rancor, you're no longer crazed. <laughs> and that's when he kind of gives him the. Uh, the abridged version of what we saw last issue, how there was a parasite inside of him, yada, yada, yada. Um, <clears throat> he goes, who's your friend? She's lovely. You know, the shadow thief, my companion. He goes, I'd planned to immerse her in the new blood lake to bring her back. But, you know, but that's gone. And now she will never know basically what it's like to be uh, <clears throat> not crazed. They get into the talk about Zox. You know, Zox did the damnedest thing before you know before he died he you know he crashed into the and you know into the blood lake into the cathedral you know zox was strong in life as he was in death uh scalix kind of screams sorry excuse me rancor asked if he's okay and he goes no i'm not pretty much everything is turning to you know insert the word you want all of a sudden scalix Gets a call on his ring from Guy. It's like, uh, are you there, Scalix? And he goes, Yeah, I am. Gardner is like, I found Rancor too. He's kind of re- he's kind of returned to himself, and the second Blood Lake has been destroyed. And he this is when we get a, a one of the reveals in this issue that despite the fact that they had been building up to the fact that Scalix kind of was either kind of like disenchanted with Guy and that he was a traitor, we find out that of course that he wasn't. He basically was Black Ops. He was undercover. He was trying to. He basically went to Atrocitus to try to get an opportunity to try to strike at him. It never really worked out that way. Guy tells him, "Hey, it's okay. That's that's what going undercover means. When you're a spy, sometimes it doesn't work out the way you planned." He goes, "Bleeds and I are on going to Yismal. That's where this all started. Seems like a good place for it to end. You know, Atrocitus is bringing all his his crew. I don't see how we're gonna." make it out so but you guys you stay hidden until it's over with you know the universe is a big place you guys can probably survive it's been good to know both of you and he kind of just goes gardener out we cut back we cut back to his malt where we see uh hey ratchet statue is still relatively intact with a chunk still missing but and the red power battery does look a little more intact than we saw it though powered down 
guy goes, you know what? We need to find a spot and, and dig in. You know, I just wish that this place wasn't such a wasteland. Belize says, no, there is another option. Follow me. And the guy says, hey, I had no idea there was, you know, this was even down under the battery as they go underneath. He goes, Belize gives him, you know, the five inversions haunted this place. <laughs> they were former comrades of Atrocitus. You know, he slaughtered them and used their blood to create the blood lake. Um, so the guy's kind of happy about the position. It's like, this can work. Atrocitus will have to send in a few you know, his people a few at a time, you know, I can knock them out one by one. That's when Guy kind of reveals that his, he wants really Bleeds to get out of there too. The guy's pretty much planning on going down going down with the ship on his own. He doesn't want anybody else to suffer. That this is all, you know, this is all my fault. You don't deserve to die because basically of my screw-ups. Bleeds points out, again, only semi-serious, that, you know, Gardner, I've been saying this since the first time I met you. You're an idiot. <laughs> You know, we get an incoming transmission by John, John Stewart of all people. It's like, a, it's like God, guys, like thank God I got through to you. I mean, Simon Baz kind of told me what was, you know, what was going on at Earth. Where, you know, where are you now? It's like, listen, it doesn't really matter. You know, I don't have a lot of time. Guy pretty much tells how, you know, tells he tells John to make sure Hal doesn't blame himself for what for what happened. He's gonna feel guilty for basically sending me to be a red to begin with. But you know this isn't his fault. You know he's got nothing to he, you know he's got nothing to feel guilty about. Blees is trying to desperately get the judge to basically get into the fight. She goes, "I do not fight. I judge." Pathetic, as she points out. You know, guy. You know, John kind of pleads the case. So like, just tell me where you are. More because I guess he would have figured out a way to send send reinforcements. He goes, "Sorry, you hear Atrocitus cry out to them." Gardner, and he goes. Sorry, John. <laughs> Sorry, John. Gotta go. Atrocitus sends his mindless Earth Red Lanterns to you know, to root them out. Guys, kind of given you know, believes the marching orders. Get ready. Remember, they're angry. They're confused. You know, don't really hurt them too badly. He goes. Speak for yourself. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna do what I can or what I have to do. <clears throat> Atrocitus is getting cocky. He got this won't take long. And then finally, revenge. Nope. He gets. Bl- <laughs> Before he finishes that word, he gets blasted from behind by Sca- by Scalix, Rancor, and the Shadow Thief. Uh, that that attack on Atrocitus kind of delayed the inevitable because Guy goes, "We were about to get swarmed, which has happened." I don't know, but I I don't know, but I'd like to know. Blaze points out. Now on on the surface of Yasmal, Rancor is duking it out with Dexstar. Uh, Shadow Thief's taking on a few Red Lanterns, including uh, Blarn. Scalix gets attacked by Atrocitus. He goes, "Does it ever grow tired? Do you ever grow tired? Basically, of, of all these constant betrayals. How do you keep track?" Atrocitus points out, and Scalix, in his defense, points out that I'd never betrayed Gardner. He goes, "I told you, Scalix. It doesn't matter to me one way or the other, and neither do you." And with that statement being completed, crack, and rank. Uh, Atrocitus snaps Scalix's neck and drops him dead onto the surface. Obviously, Shadow Thief had some feelings for him too because she freaks out and goes attacking, goes to attack Atrocitus. He makes an interesting statement: "If I were alone, you might have a chance, but I am not." And then most of the Earth Red Lanterns that Atrocitus brought with him then start to attack the Shadow Thief. Rancor continues to fight. You know, continues to fight. Dexter, he gets he's pissed at Dexter. He's like, "You little bastard, you stole my blood." So that's how come you got to make constructs, wasn't it? It's like, you know, it was delicious, and I'm better than you. And at that point, of course, 
as they're duking it out. Dexter gets knocked to the ground. He looks up. No, no fair. And then he gets smashed with a big hammer by none other than Bleeze. And Bleeze and Rancor catch, you know, have a nice little catch-up moment. Guy, you know, he, he, she, I've got, ugh, excuse me. Rancor points out, like he mentioned to Scalix, and you know, I never, I never really was insane. I really wasn't lost, but I heard every, I heard everything you said to me, and I know everything you did to help me. She says, well, you know, basically we can, t- we can catch up on this later. Um, if we survive, guy kind of goes, you know, what the hell's going on? I told you guys to go hide, and it's like. Uh, at least Scalix and Zox you know, had the common sense to you know not show up. And, and Rancor goes, kind of get real, Gardner. They, they, they're both dead. That affects Guy. <clears throat> Guy's kind of surprised. Like, is that the Shadow Thief on our side? It's like, hey, that's, that, hey, that's bad for them, but it's kind of good for us, especially that she's mindless. At that moment, the judge reaches into Guy's head. It's like, I have watched you, Guy Gardner, and I judge you. Not guilty. And he goes, what the hell? It's like, you finally decided to do, do something and that's it? That's the best you come up with? And she goes, no, that's not. That's just a start. I've been watching these other Red Lanterns as well. They do not They do not deserve clemency, nor do I. So Guy kind of gets an inkling of what she's going to do. Guy yells, Rancor, shield, now! And the judge pretty much explodes, and she, in the process, she takes out all the, all the Earth's Red Lanterns, the humans. Of course, Rancor doesn't really know what the hell, you know, <laughs> who, who she even was. It's like, was she with us? It's like, yeah, that was the judge, and no, I think pretty much she would, she could have gone either way. Guy, you know, he, he tells Rancor and Bleeze, you know, this is our chance. They're stunned. You know, gather them up. Uh, we can save them, and Rancor <laughs> brings up the good point. Okay, we got them. What, what, what are we going to do with them? We have no, Even my strongest construct isn't going to hold them for long. He goes, I have an idea, and they see Blarn kind of incapacitated, so they pretty much open Blarn's seemingly endless mouth, and they stick all the Red Lanterns inside Blarn. Then Atrocitus, in that moment, attacks Guy, goes, Usurper! Usurper! You took my ring, you stole everything from me. He starts spitting his napalm at him. Guy fights back, it's like, get off! It's like, how many innocents did did you hurt and kill? Because you felt bad about yourself, and I, I really like I really like this moment too. It's like, wow, wow, Gardner stole my ring. <laughs> it's like I didn't steal it; you couldn't keep it. He goes, "Here, I'll prove it to you, you piece of." And guy takes off his red lantern ring. It says, "The ring seeks host, seeking host." Atrocis reaches out for his old ring, basically, and it's like, "Yes, yes." Then. While Guy is in the process of almost dying, all of a sudden you hear the ring. The ring reacts and goes, "Guy Gardner of Earth, you have great rage in your heart." And Guy's ring return. Guy's ring not only returns to him, but a whole crapload of rings return to him. And Guy finally has his Emerald Twilight, Green Lantern Forty Nine cover moment, as he has Red Lantern rings on every one of his fingers. He's super amped up. He goes, "I told you." It's like. You might have started the Reds, Atrocitus, but they aren't yours anymore. And you know what? They never will be. And at that moment, Guy Gardner calls out to, to Atrocitus' ring. Atrocitus realizes what's happening. And he goes, no, wait, stop. And Atrocitus' ring is pulled off his finger and onto Guy, or into Guy's hand. He goes, yes, it's happening again, Atrocitus. How many times do I have to do this to you before you just stop? 
You're an angry son of a bitch, sure, but I got you beat. And with that, Guy crushes Atrocitus' ring. He goes, enough is enough. Let's just calm down. And basically, Atrocitus, excuse me, uh, Guy calls all the all the Red Lantern rings that were inside of Blarn on the humans. He caught, he takes them. Does he take, does he take Dexter's ring? Because it yeah, looks like he's starting yeah, it to. Yeah, looks but, like he does. But, De- but Dexter looks like he's still wearing his Red Lantern uniform now. Later on, that's the only reason why it confuses confuses me. But either way, guy basically calls all the Red Lantern rings that aren't belonging to his group of people into him. He goes, "Too much. I need to give it back." And then he basically spits out all that red energy and all. I think he, not the rings necessarily, but he tra- more or less the. I think the rings become energy. He goes back into the blood lake, his blood lake. It brings that back to life. It, re- it brings the central power battery, the Reds, back online. Guy standing there, still with a red aura around him, but basically back in the civvies. Bleez and Rancor kind of asks, what, you know, what did you do? And goes, that was, be- <laughs> that was beautiful either way. Guy says, I don't know what I did. Magic, I guess. For a minute there, I, I had it all <laughs> close enough. Go, so much got torn down, figured it was time to build something up. He tells uh, Rancor and Blees, you, know, t- you take Atrostas, Dexter, and the others to Mogo. Give them to Jon Stewart. He'll make sure he'll, you know, he'll put them away. And you know, he'll help you get these people back to Earth. The Reds are yours. Make them into whatever you want. Rancor is kind of like stunned. It's like, what do you mean? Where are you going to go? He goes, well, the Reds are still protectors of Sector 2814, right? You guys handle the rest of, your, of the sector. Earth's all mine. And then we have a nice little wrap-up on Baltimore, you know, where guys kind of helping a, a shopkeeper, looks like, clean up. And they have a little conversation about rage. It's like a uh, guy says, you know, I, I used to be a pretty angry person myself. I mean, I'm trying to let it go. And the And the... The guy sweeping up says, "Well, good luck with that. With everything that's been going on, you know what's going to happen if somebody if somebody hurts someone you care about or pushes you too far, you ain't going to push back." And guy says, "Well, yeah, well, I guess you, you never can tell." And then we see the fact that guy's wearing his red ring on a chain around his neck. That ends the issue. And then next, five years from now, all will be well. And future's end. Yeah. What? What did? Didn't I like mean, it. Uh, I liked it. I liked it yeah. better than the annual. I think. I liked it better than the annual yeah. too. There are some things in the issue that don't make a lot of sense, I think. Like what? From a resolution point of view. Uh, okay, Atrostis, his ring is off him. Why is he alive? Is it because he's on Yuzmalt? But he was dying when, when a when guy ripped his ring off on Yuzmalt before. So why is he alive? Unless you, unless we want to believe that... I guess you can believe... Well, there's no aura around him. So I was going to say you could believe that the Reds kind of encased him almost like Dexter did. But you don't see it. But let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe that's an explanation for that. How are they going to get the rings off the red, off the Earth Red Lanterns without killing them? Or how did he get them off without killing them? And how are they still alive inside Klarn? Um, I mean, Kara, they kind of... Because I just actually... About last, last week, I think, I actually bothered to Google to find out how Kara did get rid of her red ring. But still, the point is, that's going to work for her because she's a Kryptonian. It's not going to work for her other people but it seems almost like they're changing the rules a little now about that you don't necessarily go belly up almost instant or really instantaneously with the red ring gone maybe maybe they didn't have the ring long enough 
Yeah, I don't know if that would matter. Hal didn't have the red ring long, long at all, and he still needed St. Walker to get him back jump-started. I don't know. That's that was my, in all honesty, that was my biggest issue, my biggest problem with this from a storytelling point of view. I mean, Atrocity should be dead because his red ring is off. He's not, he, like I said, he's definitely not encased in a red aura. Um, I, again, unless you want to say because it does, Dexter is still wearing, he's still wearing his red uniform. Maybe his ring didn't come off, so maybe almost like an unconscious level, subconscious level that uh, he's protecting Atrocis again. I don't know. I just that's that from a from a storytelling point of view, that's the thing that it's kind of hard for me to wrap to re, to wrap myself around or to resolve it without unless I'm missing something. I didn't like the fact. I mean, it's kind of crappy. Like got so much so much of you know guys lineup got decimated. I mean, Scalix is gone. The judge was kind of you know she literally she could go either way, but she's gone. You got Rancor and Bleeze pretty much. I guess it was kind of a nice touch that technically he would be like making Earth his own sector. So even though Guy's not a green, he's back on Earth. That that could that was an interesting take. That could kind of that could potentially work. Though of course, as we will talk about in a few moments, whether that same direction is going to be followed now or whether it'll play out the same way, we won't know. I, I like but, that direction. I think that uh, of of two things that happened in that issue that I would want to talk about. I think that that's the one I like. That's something I like. And the other thing that uh, happened in the issue that kind of bothered me, and everything else is kind of fairly straightforward, um, other than what we've already discussed. Uh, but I think the other thing that uh, kind of stood out to me um, was, do you think um, the judge going out like that justified her being involved as long as she is? I mean, she was set up issues several issues ago. It didn't seem like we got much payoff from her. No, I. That was that's in all honesty, that's that surprised me. That surprised me more than what happened with Scalix. Um, it did. You you thought, especially how badass she was, mm-hmm. you thought there was going to be some kind of payoff. You probably figured she was eventually going to go join Guy's team. I they probably brought her in and set her up to be as powerful as she was, just so she could do something like that and kind of like literally. As a judge, even you know, even the scales, and she essentially did. So you could look at it from that point of view as, even though she was judging them guilty, unjustifiably so, depending on probably you know how, how rageful they were. But in a way, looking at it from other angles, she is also a judge, and she did by doing what she did, she did balance the scales and balance the fight to make it more equal. So I don't know. I I thought I didn't think the payoff was was as much as it could have been. Or as good as it could have been. Not, not, there. not in terms of how long the character has been involved in the story, and not in terms of the power level of the character either. Maybe, maybe her death has something to do with how the rings being taken off of them don't affect them or kill them. They could probably tie it into that. I mean, it's just stuff that we don't. They just don't give us a lot to go on. Yeah. And that, to me, that's an issue. Be- that's that's an issue because it's, we know what the reds. I mean, that was established from very very early on during the whole rage of the red lantern storyline it was established that 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 was one of the big problems with being a red is that basically the ring subs is substitutes for your heart so when the ring comes off your finger you bum, die bum, unless bum, based bum 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 bum, 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 bum yeah which we haven't seen that in ages that 
unless you have a blue basically to depoison you and restart your heart and everything else. Now, yes, we probably can assume that if they basically kept kept them in cold storage long enough, that Saint Walker will be back. I mean, that's pretty much a given, I think. So, even without looking at the solicits for uh, Godhead, you would know you would suspect he was going to be coming back soon. So th- there'll be a whole lot of another option there. Yeah, I, I just wish we would have gotten a little more explanation on that guy being on guy being on Earth. Yeah, I think that's kind of cool. You would assume that they're going to split. But with Godhead, they probably won't get a chance to split. So maybe, again, the direction of where they were eventually going to go and where they end up going now could be two different things. But I would fig- I would figure if they were going to continue – if this storyline were to – this concept was going to continue with Guy being on Earth and basically Lar- uh, Blees and Rancor basically – and technically speaking, Shadow Thief's alive, correct? She didn't die. Uh, I don't think she. I don't. She think was she going died. all supernova for a while, but I don't know what that means. Unless she, unless. Well, you know, you know what? Yeah, she could have got. No, she, she was, she was taken out during the 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 judges thing, but there was no indication that the that any of the any of those reds were killed. She may not have a ring anymore, but I don't think she was killed. But basically, you're gonna, you're gonna have Rancor, you're gonna have Blees and their adventures, and you would kind of think they would kind of like. They would show up maybe. Kind of like two stories in the same kind of book, you know, guy as we've seen before. Mostly guy story with maybe like a subplot of what's happening to them, and eventually, the, you know, their paths are going to cross again. In Godhead, probably they're never going to, they're not going to have probably much of a chance to split up. I would assume you'll see them all working together again. But that would be the that's the direction I suspected they would probably were going to go in, unless you were just literally not going to see Blaze and Rancor for a while, and it was just going to be Guy's book on its own. Which would be an interesting take, and kind of be weird though. I mean, I'm not saying it wouldn't work. I would say, considering how they built up the Reds into something, spe- to, and had a purpose, and were were cool as a group, it would kind of be weird just to essentially just see the adventures of Guy Gardner as a Red all on his own and throw well, all the that, rest of them are basically all dead. Yeah, I mean, throw. I mean, and just to throw the whole concept out of what they were building, it would kind of seem weird. But it, it, it was also weird that they wiped out to me. They kind of killed so many. Yeah. Especially because they didn't really kill that many of uh, Atrocitus' guys. A few. I mean, peons, yeah, but not main, any, not any of the main players here. I mean, but either way. I liked it. it was, yeah, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. And the, the, and Guy being on Earth with the red, you know, at least they, they, they gave you an explanation for, or even though there's no red aura around him constantly, the fact probably that he has the ring around that close to his, you know, his his self, that that's why he's able to function without any problems. Oh, you know how I feel about lanterns on Earth. Yep. I figured, that, like, I, like I think I mentioned, or if not, I was planning on mentioning, I figured that would make you happy, the fact that we do have a lantern on Earth that we can actually read about <laughs> and, and care about. Alright, anything else about this particular issue? Uh... The blue light? Or was that the... We didn't really... That was the... We didn't really talk about it much. No, we didn't know, you're right, we didn't really... We, I mentioned it, but we didn't really... I don't, up on the I don't think it's hope so much as it wasn't wasn't that just that kind of pacifying light that that was just that they remember when the yeah they used to when they when they were slaves that's yeah what Kai, what, guy and all of them were all basically like stoned remember they were acting all yeah right but I but the, but the lights definitely that's blue, true so I think it so I think and the fact that it reacts 
the way it does on reds. I mean, it has to be. It has to have the fact that the blue light itself is calming and and takes the edge off of everything. That I I would have to suspect is at least partially related to to the blue energy and, and what that light of the spectrum does to them. Makes sense. But, okay. Anything else? Now, should we talk about the news related to Red Lanterns now, since we just finished Red Lanterns? Yeah, we, we might as well. I actually haven't read the article yet, but I get the gist. I mean, just based off the headline. Yeah, I, 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 I read most of it, and I, well, the, as of today, and I posted this quickly last night when I stumbled upon the article. I posted on our Facebook page that, unfortunately for everybody who's really liked Red Lanterns since the new creative teams have taken over, that Charles Sewell will be leaving not just Red Lanterns, but pretty much leaving everybody and everywhere other than Marvel because he has signed an exclusive contract with Marvel. Now, the good news is that it's based on probably the terms of the deal and on both parts. Probably he probably, I would like to – he probably maybe not necessarily insisted but asked for this and Marvel was probably being flexible in it that it's not one of these deals where basically he's just walking out the door – in the in like on part two of six goodbye guys finish it up for me <laughs> that basically he is going to be allowed to continue on his books for a little bit of time to finish up or to leave it an appropriate place pretty much so it sounds like he will be leaving red lanterns at the end of the godhead storyline which still we have the red we have the future's end issue coming next and then we probably have at least three issues of red lanterns related to godhead but it seems like that's going to be the point when he's going to leave. I think, and he's Swamp Thing. I think is another one of his books. And basically, he's not. He he gets to he gets to go out at least in, with some kind of resolution to his on his books without having to just drop and say, "Hey, sorry guys, I got to go." Now, I really, I mean, I I was surprised by my reaction when I when I saw this article yesterday because it it didn't it certainly didn't impact me like the Johns hearing. The first time when we heard Johns was leaving Green Lantern, but it bothered me because Red Lanterns has really become, along with Sinestro, it's become my my those are my two favorite books right now, and he's done such a good job at Red Lanterns, especially considering <laughs> considering the mess that he inherited. True. <laughs> that, and he was really now yes, you could say it's it's not really a, from a storytelling point of view, it's not really the worst plate or time in place to leave because even at the way this issue ends, you're kind of having a new status quo. So if Godhead doesn't really, you know, take us and you know, doesn't really show you what the new status quo is too much because of the fact they're all going to be pulled into this big cosmic event again, that it's kind of a good place for a new creative team to come on. So I guess timing wise, I guess if it has to happen, it's, it's kind of good, but still, He's really done such a good job with this book, and the direction in this book has been so enjoyable. The mere fact that now you know he's leaving, and we don't know what we're going to get, and that that bothers me. <laughs> yeah, it kind of set me on edge too. I mean, it's uh, in a way, it's kind of like that's part of the reason I don't want to put down New Guardians because New Guardians will remain consistent. <laughs> so yes, that is true. Um, but I mean, I. Charles Sewell's done some good stuff uh, for 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 the book uh, and for Guy Gardner. Um, I, I haven't liked Guy Gardner this much since uh, uh, was it Emerald Warriors? Yeah, he was that. That was like that. You know, I used to I used to never like Guy Gardner back in the day when I first started reading Green Lantern back in the nineties. I never really liked 
I never really liked Guy Gardner. Even when they brought him back into the Kyle run, is when they that was actually the first attempt really to stop making to make a serious attempt at not not making Guy Gardner you know an a hole all the time. But really, it's starting you know, kind of like, if you will the rehabilitation of Guy you know in the full effect you know started with the you know with rebirth and recharge and and. The, the Johns era, but I thought Emerald Warriors was a good book. I enjoyed reading about mm-hmm. Guy, and I really enjoyed. I mean, honestly, like I said, who I would never have imagined ever that I would have had that if you had you had four books with you know all being you know headlined by one each of Hal, Kyle, John, and Guy. The Guy's book would be the one, and Sinestro too, for that matter. That Guy would still but. His book would be the one I'd be looking forward to the most on a regular basis. So it just makes you nervous. It makes you real nervous, especially because, unfortunately, we know that even though we haven't gotten the sales yet from August, we know the last time we talked about sales, you know, the the July ones, you know, Red Lanterns and New Guardians tanked big time. That the book, as good as it is, it's still not selling particularly well because I certainly, to a certain extent, because it's being dragged down, you know, like, like an album. Probably because the main two books aren't doing that great, and the interest in them isn't that great. But this—I don't know. I don't think it bodes well. Off the top of my head, I'm you know hopefully depending who gets the book, maybe maybe they'll surprise us. At least they have at least they have a good jumping on point as opposed to where Sewell came in when he just had to dig through the rubble. That's true. But hopefully, but you know I don't necessarily. I'm hope I'm being hopeful. Knock on wood. Uh, but I, I, but it could very well not bode well for the long-term future of Red Lanterns too. I'm not looking forward to it, but I am glad that he gets time to wrap up. Uh, and you know, I just I stopped by because we're recording this on Wednesday, um, and I think what as far as uh, Futures End stuff, the Green Lantern Futures End title came out today. I stopped by the yes, I stopped I by the comic book store and I picked up. Uh, uh, I picked up uh, no no current issues. I picked up an issue of Alter Ego. Um, just you know, throwing it out there to make conversation, uh, featuring a, a spotlight on Frederick Wortham, actually, and written by Carol Tilly, who I had on for the third episode of the Green Lantern Green Arrow series. So that was cool. Um, but uh, along with that, I picked up my issue of previews, and I've only had a chance to flip through the Marvel previews. Marvel's going to be putting out a lot of stuff that I'm going to be interested in coming up pretty soon. Uh, this whole Spider Verse thing. Is catching? Yeah, I, I find I got the the one the one shot on that, and that kind of intrigued me. Um, well, the reason it's catching my eyes not just because I have it. You know, I, I do like Spider Man, but there I don't I don't have a history of reading any of his comics. Um, oddly enough, you know, I, I like I like Venom and Carnage and the whole symbiote thing so much, but I don't have much of a history with Spidey himself. So when I heard about the Spider-Verse and, you know, Spider-Man with the multiverse, I was like, ah, that'll work for me a little bit. Well, I just flipped through the Marvel previews and um, Copiel is doing the artwork. And he's the guy who did the artwork for the uh, Straczynski run of Thor that I like so much. Um, So that's definitely a selling point for me. And then, you know, just throwing it out there, uh, one of the issues of Guardians of the Galaxy coming up in the the month that uh, is solicited for previews right here uh, is is the Guardians on the planet of the symbiotes. So it's yeah. So it's basically like Venom planet. And apparently uh, Flash Thompson is a member of the Guardians team now and stuff. And 
I think that's true as Agent Venom or right. whatever. Right, and I've been doing. reading Amazing X-Men, so Marvel's got a lot of stuff going on that I'm really interested in. So, you know, good on Soul for, you know, securing a, uh, a you know, a, an exclusive contract with, you know, not just one of the big two, but, you know, one of the big twos who... I heard it so. I heard I heard it described this way once. You know, if you grew up reading Marvel, you don't like what Marvel's doing right now, and you're leaning more towards DC. If you grew up reading DC, you don't like what DC is doing, and you're leaning more towards Marvel. Now, I didn't necessarily grow up reading DC, but my prior experience is with that era, the earlier era of DC, uh, enough to where you could technically say I quote unquote grew up reading it. Um, so, you know, Marvel, Marvel's going to be putting out some stuff I like. So good on Soul for, for, um, you know, going that way, you know, at least in, in my personal opinion, my personal viewpoint, you know, going with the company who's got good things coming ahead for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. He will be missed. Yeah. And, and I agree, and I do agree with your, your basic theory there or not or the that the, the theory not necessarily you know yours i'll give you credit because you mentioned it of course that if you grew up because i grew up reading marvel i didn't read much dc but i don't read much marvel now at all um once in a while i'll get stuff uh spider-man's about the only stuff i will pick on a semi-regular basis and even that's kind of it's really dependent storyline by storyline i certainly have not read spider-man religiously since before brand new day because i didn't like I didn't like any of that stuff, but I'm more of a DC guy now. Even though I still don't buy that many books to begin with, but I don't think I've ever owned an issue of Spider-Man. Really? Yeah. I mean, I've kind of I, I know what happens, you know, just in general geek community talk. You know, I know what Brand New Day was. That's where, you know, that's you know, I I know all this stuff. Um, but yeah, yeah, I I've I figured you know, Copiel uh, doing the artwork and. Uh, and you know, multiverse of Spider-Man, and I heard, I, I read an article online. I don't know if it was New, Newsarama or Comic Book Resources that one of the multiverse Spider-Man would be Gwen Stacy. So yes. you know, so that's that's cool, and the art from that looked kind of cool. So I mean, yeah, why not? Um, there's that. Uh, do you have the the email? We only have one bit of feedback, guys. This episode, uh, not a, not a lot on Facebook, not a lot on Twitter. In fact, the stuff that is on Facebook and Twitter is just kind of you know likes and retweets and stuff when we posted new episodes. So nothing kind of unique over there. So I'll let that build up a little bit so we actually have something of substance to talk about. But we do have one email. Yes, we do. The email is from Dylan, and it's short but sweet, but an, but an interesting one. He asks, uh, "Hi guys, great show. I just like your opinion on some on some things regarding the entities of the emotional spectrum. How large do you think they are? Can their size change at will? Are they made completely of light, or is it an amalgam of light and matter? If let's say Parallax fought against beings." Each representing different fears, would he win being the physical representation of all fear, not just a certain fear? Um, size, I want to say, I want to say there is no set size. I think that's based on artist interpretation, but... But logically, you would kind of think they do have a Logically, size. you would think they have a size, but at the same time, I wonder if their size can be adjusted based on proximity to, you know... Let's say let's say Adara was you know you remember that planet that uh, that Saint Walker and Warth turned the sun back on or whatever. 
Yes. Let's say Adara was in oh. proximity to that planet when it was rather rather than rather than. Okay, so so rather than uh, let's change the situation. Rather than Saint Walker and Worth even being there, let's say there was some miracle that happened in which the sun was being turned back to blue. Adara didn't have anything to do with it, but happened to be in the proximity as that the inhabitants of that planet were feeling that massive, overwhelming rush of hope. I imagine Adara's size could be adjusted based on proximity to a substantial amount of the hope, the, of the of the uh, emotion that the entity represents. So I wouldn't. So in other words, if 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 a not that it matters now, but if an if an entity's size changes artistically in a comic book, I'm more inclined to accept it than if, like, say the size of a central power battery adjusted from you know several stories tall to you know a two-story building you know what i mean right i'm more inclined to accept it if the entity changes size so i think i think the i think the answer to that is i don't know and not and and not that it doesn't matter in terms of i'm not answering your question i don't care i'm more of it doesn't matter in terms of how I would view it in the comic, if it would affect me in any way. And and I probably I probably think that I think they could be they could be amped up by being cl- closer to a lot of their own emotion. I think for the most part, I think their size is probably constant. I mean, we've seen I don't know. They're kind of like it seems like they're mostly like dragon or triceratops kind of size. For the most part, this in that they're they're kind of they obviously we know they can actually physically change to a certain extent because obviously they can go inside hosts of all different shapes and sizes. Well, do you remember Parallax and Rebirth? Parallax. Yeah, that that's true too. He he that that but that didn't make a lot of with Gantha being super big. Yeah, yeah. Parallax was massive in that storyline. Yeah, that didn't that didn't make a lot of sense really, but. But I just mean physically being able, despite the fact that how big Parallax is, the fact that he could still go into something that's small, and make it be a host or something. Or I think that leads into the next question. I think that's that's what I mean. I think that makes sense then, because the 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 I think they're composed entirely of light, so it doesn't matter what size the person it goes in is. Hmm. And I didn't. And I would say I didn't think it was all light. Well, the 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 problem with with it is, what are the constructs? Is it hard light technology? And what? Okay, it, so when you say hard light, that's kind of a misnomer, first of all. And if what is the hard part of that? If if it has a physical, like I'm you know I'm touching my desk right now. If I if it has touch. Then it must be comprised of some sort of matter or mass. So what is what is hard light? If hard light is matter, then sure, I, I could see the them being composed of light and matter. But what is hard light? <laughs> that's true. But that, actually, it's fun. it's good that you mentioned that because that's kind of what I was I was thinking too. Because it was it was the other possible explanation is it's almost that it could be light. But it's more like like a perm- it's, but light in the sense of almost like a permanent construct. Yeah. That so it's got so it's light but not yeah. So um 
So that's probably, I guess, what we think about the size, uh, about the parallax fighting, you know, different fears. I would assume parallax would be able to trump all yeah. of those just because he is fear. It's, he is fear itself. <clears throat> Unless he's messing with Sinestro. The only thing fear has to fear is fear, fear itself. <laughs> Oh, should I mention? Should I segue yes, into Sinestro, Sinestro, Sinestro thing, man? Sinestro. Since, since it's so perfectly set Yeah, up. go ahead. Um, and I, and obviously, if you have thoughts on these points, we talked about this. We we talked. We mentioned all of these points, wrapping up Sinestro Five, but and it hit me shortly thereafter that we kind of. I don't think we maybe talked about the, some of these points or concepts as much as we probably should have because they're relevant. Um. You have the, the mere fact that you had the mere fact that Sinestro was able to dominate an entity, and yes, even though we we do find out that that it isn't just oh I'm I'm Sinestro I could do it. He, we find out that basically he you know he had to he, he had to do research essentially he, he had to find those texts he had to basically meditate he had to do these things or else because I think he even acknowledges in that issue that if he hadn't that eventually Parallax would have take would Consumed have him. taken over. Yeah. So it's not like on that, which is kind of like the only bone you get that they throw to Hal on this whole concept. That even though Sinestro was able to be stronger than Hal to start with and was not and was in control of Parallax, that eventually that would not have been the case. But the mere fact that Sinestro is able to do that, the mere fact that Sinestro was able to maintain that entity and keep it at bay all the time, even when he's fighting other things. But also raises the question about when would when would Sinestro when would Sinestro basically not be able to do this anymore? If he was dying, would Sinestro it would be would he consciously release Parallax, or would he get to the point where he his will was so weak as he was about to pass away that Sinestro, that he would the Parallax would then be free? But the fact that Sinestro was able to do this. And, and what we saw in Lights Out, we saw how the entities were all being pulled to each other, how strongly they were being pulled to each other to come together because they knew what was going on with the spectrum. So Parallax has to have a pull like that too. He has to have that pull that all the other entities were having, but yet Sinestro was able to completely maintain control over him. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. It kind of changes the status quo for Sinestro at many levels. And the fact that we have, I mean, that whole issue, and we, and we did talk about it, that Sinestro, most of it was mind games and and between Sinestro and Hal. But even before the whole parallax reveal, Sinestro was still pretty much one-upping Hal, even on the comments. But the fact that Sinestro one-upped Hal so much, not just with the big parallax reveal, but, but the parallax reveal that really... That all this is going on also without John's being the architect, you know, that if John if this was John's writing this book, the whole reveal about and we'll talk about this more during our, you know, the John's retrospective, probably, I'm sure that if Sinestro had won up Tal on, a, on such a big level under John's, his, you know, tutelage under his a direction, I don't think it would be surprised many people. The fact that. All this is going on, and it's not, on, and it's a different creative team doing it. Now, yes, we don't know, since it seems like there. It, this may very well have been the, the plan they had all along to have of what to do with Parallax, like we mentioned in Lights Out, when they refer to where Parallax is. It seemed pretty clear, especially now that we get the explanation, 
they they did they did think it out. You know, this isn't like a retcon. Oh, we got to make it fit. It seems like they had this idea all along. Probably what was gonna what they were gonna do with Parallax or how they were gonna explain him seemingly not being with Sinestro anymore. So we don't know. For all intents and purposes, this could have been a a concept that John's either came up with or was going to do on his own, and they just never changed it because it worked. But the fact that the whole the con- to me, it's interesting that they're continuing the whole Sinestro one-upping Hal relationship and making it – and the fact that he's doing it because it – Hal was so defeated at the end of Green Lantern 5. I mean uh, Sinestro 5, not just physically, even more so psychologically, that he is so defeated by – that all – so much – or so many of his preconceived notions about what he was expecting to find when he f- found Sinestro. Like Sinestro pointed out that he thought he was going to basically come – be superior and 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 make Sinestro cow and all these things and he just and that all just blew up completely in his face and I think that's that's going to have ramifications and that's I think and I just don't think we maybe gave that its due when we we viewed Sinestro five because that stuff is all really important to the, what we've seen come so to this point but I think it also potentially lays a lot of groundwork for things. We're going I think to I think that makes sense, and not not to take away from Sinestro's ability in in what you're saying, but I think it's also important to remember two things. One, Sinestro is the first, for all intents and purposes, student of fear, uh, the first Lantern of fear. So he's had a long history of experience and really mastery of the emotion. So. Yes, more than more than Hal. Well, yes, not not just not. I don't I don't mean in reference to Hal. I mean just in general. Um, you would you would assume that let's 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 okay. So let's take the New Guardians. I mean, and I mean the New Guardians in terms of how we saw them like during In Blackest Night. So uh, the first Lantern or the Lantern that feels and uh, and is devoted to the emotional the the, the specific emotional color the most. Atrocitus with rage, you know, uh, Larflees with uh, with avarice, you know, and, and Sinestro with fear. You would think that those particular lanterns' uh, goals and aims and everything would also line up with the goals and aims, if they had any, of the respective entity of that core, right? So, so then would would Parallax being within Sinestro? For forgetting forgetting the pull from from lights out, forgetting that, um, would would Parallax really want to fight Sinestro, or do you think their goals line up fairly fairly close enough to where Parallax is like, eh, I'll deal with it? Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, I would say you could definitely make that case because of the fact that let's let's be let's be fair too related relating to. Parallax and, and his host, Sinestro is about the closest thing to a. You know, he was a willing host, and he was and he and he was not uh, diametrically opposed to what Parallax really is. Parallax has tended to be hosted by 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 characters that are, are beings that would not basically that stand in, in opposition to him. So it would make sense that yes, he would fight to he would fight and try to influence those those, and plus it would be. Obviously, he gets satisfaction out of trying to corrupt, as opposed. To, and with Sinestro, there that pull probably isn't as strong because they're, like you said, they are they are on the same page to a large extent. Yeah. Um, 
So I, th- I think that's true. And, I, and don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not necessarily buying – I'm not necessarily saying that that I think Sinestro is just – he's so – No, 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 no. So That's not levels. what I'm saying. No, and I know. I know you're not, but I want to make no. it clear. that that It's the fact that the accomplishment itself was in, was, is very impressive and the ramifications of that, especially as far as the Hal-Sinestro dynamic. Right. Because Hal – you know, Hal always, and logically so, would always come into these things thinking, oh, he was really better than Sinestro, he was superior to, to Sinestro, and at the end of the day, you know, he would be able to beat Sinestro just, you know, for those, for, not just those reasons, but many of those reasons. Well, and the fact that, you know, he, that Sinestro's understanding of Parallax and his, and the, because the key, is, the key part of that issue is, and the whole four and five was control. Control was the whole underlying theme that kept being referred to constantly through in those issues, and that someone who basically thinks that they're in control of the situation as much as Hal probably does and or did and all usually does, that that whole thing just blew up in his face because he was that that compared to the control that Sinestro was you know had just shown in front you know that he just learned that Sinestro was able to achieve that just you know that's just a whole different. Well, level. my 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 other point was also going to be that. We have seen in the past that entities can be weakened uh, to almost a comatose state at times, uh, in terms of you know Parallax being imprisoned in the central power battery for so long, uh, you know so on and so forth. Um, but I kind of also see the entities as almost brothers and sisters. Um, you know when when they felt the pull towards the towards uh, the the source wall uh, to you know quote-unquote, refill the reservoir. Um, you know, I don't doubt that Parallax felt that. But once Kyle took the entities inside and their energies were, I don't know, dispersed or, or you know, just, you know, or whatever, I wonder if also that could affect how Sinestro is able to control Parallax uh, in terms of not just what I just mentioned and that, you know, you know, Parallax isn't necessarily opposed to being controlled by Sinestro, but also in terms of his, for lack of a better term, his will to oppose Sinestro, because all of his brothers and sisters are dead. You know, I wonder. I wonder if the existence of other entities helps a single entity thrive. Now, Parallax being the only entity weakens him somehow. I'm not saying that I believe that, but I'm I, I'm also thinking in terms of possibilities of where they could go with that if they wanted to. Like if if they were to bring that up as an explanation, if they explained it better than I did, then then yeah, I could see that as as a possibility. Those are good points. I did that. I mean, and that's always a way to explain it away yeah. too. To 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 set you know that. Which, 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 again, to be fair, would not be shocking either, because we know Sinestro is is full of himself. So it's not it's not surprising that, or not would not be surprising that we find out that you know Sinestro thinks he's he's achieved this major victory, and that you know he's going to be compl- he's always going to be in control of Parallax and yada yada, and then we find out that well, this is the real only reason he, why he was able to achieve such control over right. him. That could very well happen, but. To me, the main thing that I don't think, and I and I kind of kicked myself for not going back to it was was just as much the fact that how how defeated Hal yeah, was. I got you. That you know when we did mention it because I know I remember that you know when when Sora when uh, 
Sora came over to him and said, you know, are you okay? And he's like, just, just, just go, you know, just go take care of your people, be with your people. And the Hal obviously was going to have a lot to wrestle with. And, he, and he, because obviously his whole approach to Sinestro, you know, is going at least short term, you would think is going to change because now he realizes that if he thought he could just go in there and deal with Sinestro one on one and and he had every reason to believe he would win. Now, obviously, he's not going to feel that way. Yeah. Doubt. Raising doubt. For someone who is supremely confident, putting doubt into them, like, as much as Hal, you know, had that put into him with that conflict with Sinestro, that I think that was that was pretty, pretty impressive. All right. Uh, and before we go into listener feedback, I mean, not listener feedback, uh, the, the, the closing for the show, I have one other thing to say. We are coming up on episode 200 of the Lantern Gas, and I've mentioned this a couple of times. Uh, but the only reason I mentioned it this particular time is because another podcast is coming up on one of their milestones, uh, Fire and Water Podcast, of which I've mentioned several times uh, on this show. Is a podcast done by Shag Matthews of FirestormFan.com and uh, Rob Kelly of AquamanShrine.net. Both blogs dedicated to Firestorm and Aquaman, respectively, that have been going for several years now. Uh, And um, they, you know, have have joined forces and made that 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 uh, that podcast covering those characters. Uh, And they are coming up on episode one hundred. Uh, episode nine, uh, as we record this episode 99 rep- uh, posted uh, last Sunday and they post every Sunday uh, and so this means that as you hear this particular episode uh, not as we record it but uh, as you hear the episode last Sunday episode number 100 of the uh, fire and water podcast will have posted now I bring this up for two reasons one to say congratulations to the fire and water podcast for getting this far uh, and uh, not not that I had any doubt that they would because it's a good quality podcast with a, a very strong uh, listening community but also because I guest uh, appeared on that episode um, they uh, I feel comfortable saying it, even though the episode hasn't released yet. Um, but you don't think you'll be no, cut? No, <laughs> well, no, 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 not, not that. The only reason – my mind has a kind of small mental block about it because I feel like I'm giving away secrets to an episode that hasn't come up yet. But by the time this episode we're recording now posts, they won't be secrets. So <laughs> my mind is like fighting with me right now. <laughs> but <laughs> – there, the that uh, episode 100 is covering, uh, reviewing, uh, recapping in, a, in one of Rob's favorite issues of Justice League, Justice League of America number 200, uh, in which, uh, if I remember this right, the league goes nuts. The original seven uh, go nuts, and it's up to the new members of the league. You know, uh, Adam, Zatanna. Uh, firestorm you know stuff like that um to you know kind of one-on-one approach the various members of the league and you know bring them back to sanity and it's it's a really good issue but the way in which the issue is laid out is because each member from from, of the original league goes nuts you know there it's kind of laid out in chapters you know so the way the way they they did this is they brought various people on who have expertise with certain characters per chapter and you know 
kind of did it that way. I recapped the chapter in which Adam faces the Adam goes up against Green Lantern, Hal Jordan. Uh, and, and, and that was, that was my section to cover. So, um, in addition to it being a, a milestone episode and covering a, a great comic, um, it, I'm, I'm in there as well. Um, and I also think it's for forgetting the fact that I'm in there. I think it's also a cool idea to have, uh, uh, an, uh, an issue that's laid out so specific like this recapped in such a way so i think i think you guys should head over uh, on itunes look up the fire and water podcast and download the uh the episode from there you can also download the the episode directly from either one of their blogs firestormfan.com or aquamanshrine.net uh and they'll have you know links to uh the 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 most recent fire and water podcast episode just scroll through and you i'm sure you'll see the posting um, and I think firewaterpodcast.tumblr.com is the main podcast uh, posting link there. But uh, you can download that episode and hear my appearance on there. Uh, and so as this episode goes up, it, I usually post on Tuesdays. Uh, that episode 100 posted last Sunday. So it is the most recent episode on their feed as of right now, barring any <laughs> unforeseen uh, posting issues. Uh, so go go check it out. Nice job. Awesome. Uh, and uh, if people want to contact us, how would they do so? They can contact us by emailing us, lanterncast at gmail.com. Lanterncast <laughs> at gmail.com. You can visit our website, lanterncast.com. You can access our forums, check out our galleries, movie reviews, products of the week, month, year, <laughs> blogs. <laughs> You can follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. You can use hashtag GLCast to find us on both. We are on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you like us on iTunes, please leave us a positive review. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, call us at 708-LANTERN, 708-LANTERN, and let us know what you think. All right. Next episode, um, we won't say what it is, but Mark, we're talking the trade paperback, right? Next episode? I think okay. so. Next episode is a doozy, folks. It's been something that's uh, been in the works for a while now. So uh, look forward to it. Collateral damage, <laughs> oh, the return. God damn it. You mentioned it's <laughs> – I thought with the departure of Jim and Dan, we wouldn't have to even hear its name anymore. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, once, once we hit episode 200, we'll never talk about it. It will be again. significantly better than collateral damage. Right. And more <laughs> Yes. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Good night, Good night. everybody.